Arr, I be Mike Chapman. And I be Joe Three Sheets Neat. And you be listening to the piratey Christmas episode of the Pirate Chat Podcast, you filthy bills rats. Xbox on. Game on, baby. Wow! Spoil the decks with Bowser Holly. Fa la 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 la. Hoist the Roger if it's jolly. Fa la 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 la. Gone we now are pirate trappings. Fa la 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 la. Caught me peg leg in these wrappings. Fa la 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 la. Hello and welcome to the Party Chat Podcast, the official podcast of the Xbox One subreddit. I'm your host Ross Miller, and I'm joined by everyone's favourite uncle. It's Uncle Jesse. Clay Parker. Ho, 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 buddy. <laughs> and the queen of cosplay herself is Karina. Hey. And finally, a lord and savoury snack is delicious cheese, a.k.a. Reese. Ho, ho, ho. Now, not only do we have the usual people on here, we do have some very special, rare guests. Joining us this week is a man so neat, he is called us. I can't think of anything really? else. It's, really? Yeah, it's, 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 I'm we're going thinking with that? on the fly that's what you're here. Doing? Yeah, I'm, that's what we're going with. It's Joe Neat. Uh, thanks for that lovely introduction. Great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I should really think of these before I start recording. Yes, yes, you should. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not even going to try with this one. It's Mike <laughs> Chapman. Hello. Thank you for having us. Now, both these guys are joining us from Rare. Joe is executive producer on Sea of Thieves, and Mike is design director. So thank you both for taking the time to join us this week. You're very welcome. pleasure, yeah. (laughs) Now, this is going to be our last episode of the year, so we thought we'd give you a little bit of a rare treat. Yep, that pun never gets old. Only like a sixth time you've used it. Yeah, (laughs) it's been on never off this podcast. Like, I'm literally, Emma is on every second week. More or less. Pretty much. Um, but what I just want to say is, like, we've had some other people from Rare on beforehand, but we've not had been lucky enough to have you two on before. So, Joe, do you want to tell me what exactly you do at Rare on Sea of Thieves? Yeah, well, we've never been on before because you've never invited us before. Oh, um, oh. Yeah, that's oh, that's true, isn't it? Oh, I see how this works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, you know, so what do I do? Yeah, so... Uh, I'm the you EP, see him stalling uh, for time? And, <laughs> yeah, yeah I know. I'm just trying to, trying to Google the job description of an executive. Uh, <laughs> but really, uh, it's just being responsible for the, you know, working on the overall vision of, vision of the game with Mike and the rest of the design team um, and helping roadmap that out and, you know, make sure that we can deliver the kind of the game that we want and that uh, it's on time and on budget as much as any game is. Um, and, uh, you know, just make sure that the, the team understands the vision, that we're working all towards the same goals, that everyone understands what we're doing and that they all, um, you know, communication in the studio is great. And then obviously talking about the game externally quite a bit as well and trying to kind of make people outside the studio understand the vision. So there's there's a lot to it and it's different every day, I think. And make same question to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, where to begin, really? I think if you think of... Um how we build games at Rare, but also, you know, just in general, how you go about building a, a large game like Sea of Thieves. It's inclusive of kind of several elements around kind of that core vision that you start with, you know, the thing that makes the game unique and memorable and why it's so different. 
And then as you begin to build out the mechanics, it touches on core mechanic design, AI design, level design, the kind of the the overall look of the game and how that suits the mechanics. Kind of touches on touches on all of these facets. So design direction kind of incorporates all of those elements and how we stay true to that original vision and how we try and innovate wherever possible and make a game that we all believe in. So it's a it's a, it's an awesome uh, awesome job. Um, that touches on a lot of elements. Fantastic. Now, Emma was going to join us as well, but unfortunately she's too busy recording um, all, or doing all the motion capture for all the new animals in the game, so she couldn't <laughs> be with us this week. Um, but <laughs> we, we usually start this podcast. <laughs> I was going to wait for that. <laughs> Just got all sorts of images in my head now. Yeah, that's why I started giggling and then I sort of went through and put two and two together and then it just became hilarious. Imagining Emma like clucking like a chicken in full like uh, motion capture gear. Yeah, no. Be the chicken. You must be the chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we usually start this podcast with what everyone's been playing. And as we have guests, I'm sure you're busy people and don't have time to play video games. But I'm going to ask anyway, Joe, what have you been playing recently? That's a good question. Um, I'm in the middle of moving house, so I haven't had my Xbox plugged in for a little while. I played a bit of PUBG, obviously. Now it's on console. Um, Yes. Yes. Yeah, and and I suck really bad. (laughs) Um, Um... uh, yeah, I think the first time I played with Ted, um, who's on our design team, and we, although we were playing solos, we were on um, kind of chat together and chatting to each other. So we were basically breaking the, like, uh, I think the terms and conditions of the game itself, um, just so he could guide me around. And we met up in the world. And uh, and then he died before me. And so I, the, like, basically the, the one time I played PUBG, uh, I finished ahead of him and he's been playing it for months. And so I'm probably never going to play again, just so that I never finish behind him. Um, uh-huh. That's my goal. But yeah, so yeah, giving that a go. And I still dip back into games like Rocket League and stuff. I think it's yes. brilliant. You're my manjo. You are my manjo. Yeah, it's just, uh, <laughs> but it's just there. It's on the dash. It's like good to play. And I've been, I've been playing through the original, um, well, not the original, but the, the first kind of modern Wolfenstein as well, because I've got the sequel. And uh, I really wanted to plow through that and see what was kind of everyone was going on around, around that. And I'm nearly at the end. And, uh, and then I'm going to jump onto the sequel, I think. And Mike, what about you? Uh, apart from playing Sea of Thieves, I've been um, dipping into uh, Mario Odyssey, having a great time playing oh, that. Nice. So, just got to the dark side of the moon and nice. getting all those elusive moons. And uh, actually, recently restarted uh, Breath of the Wild. So, that's I think that strangely will be my Christmas game, even though it's been out for quite a while. Uh, just enjoying playing that back through again. And the time I do get um, on my Xbox, I've actually been trying out Fortnite. Um, oh. Obviously, yeah, competitive so, uh, to PUBG, but uh, yeah, it's it's they're adding a lot of really cool updates to it. it seems like it's evolving all the time. I've uh, been enjoying it. Sea of Thieves Battle Royale mode win. You can have I, that idea for free. <laughs> <laughs> that, one's, that one's for free. Next one's going to cost you. Yeah, you're not the you're not the first person to no. suggest that. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to jump in myself, and I've also been playing a lot of PUBG this week because, of course, it's released just after um, we recorded last week's episode, and I was lucky enough to not only get my first chicken dinner, but also oh. make it to the... What's the name of the Highlights channel? Hype Zone. Uh, you mean yeah. Hype Zone. Zone. It's so cool. Yeah. I like watching it. Yeah, so yeah, me and my friend Bob got through. We're in the, you know, the final ten. We're doing... 
I, I want to call it a twosome, but I don't think that's the official name. Is that a duo? Yeah, duo. I think yeah. that's something yeah. different. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> but, but anyway, like, wow, that is amazing. Not only when you're streaming, is your comments going wild down the side, all the little chat windows going wild when you're doing it, you're under pressure. That game is awesome. Like, I literally cannot get enough of it. I was waiting for it. I resisted buying it on PC, but I am so, so happy that it's now on Xbox One. Reese, what about you? I've uh, I've only been playing one uh, older game. No, actually two, that's a lie. I played a little bit of Xenoblade Chronicles 2 on the Switch. Um, I'm, I think, almost 20 hours in, and I'm still getting tutorials, and I have a huge list of notes uh, <laughs> about the game's mechanics. I'm not even kidding. You need them... It, you guys remember the old days of Minecraft when you had to have the wiki open to play it? Uh, it's, it's like that. Uh, but I've actually been putting the most time into replaying through Rayman Legends. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it is the perfect 2D platformer. I there is It's beautiful. It looks so good on my... Uh, I've got this, you know, 65-inch 4K TV, which is gigantic and... It looks so good up on that screen. I, I cannot stress how good this game looks. And it's just pixel-perfect platforming, and it's just great fun. And I'm having so much fun playing through it again. Uh, uh, when did it come out? Like three years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah two and a half years ago. They got, they got released on several platforms, didn't they? Awesome yeah, game. basically on everything. It, it's a bit like the uh, it's a bit like the Skyrim of platformers. It just sort of turns <laughs> up everywhere. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love it. The level design is just mwah, and uh, the music and the graphics and the art design and ah, it's the best. But yeah, so, that's what I've been playing. Cool. So Clay's been playing Rainbow Six Siege, so no one wants to hear any more about that. <laughs> actually, so Karina, actually, <laughs> you know what? You know what? PUBG has has dethroned me for for, for or I should say Siege for a week now. It's uh, oh. I'm I the operator. Yeah, you know what's crazy is um I'm getting the cold sweats of <laughs> of not not having played Siege, especially now that the operators <laughs> they had those three operators that came out and I have not touched them yet, <laughs> and I've just been playing nothing but Siege. And I've got a pro tip out there for everybody. This is this is what I've been doing the last few days, and it's I think has slowly but surely improved my experience when I when I jump into especially a single a single operation of PUBG is don't shy away from the heavily populated areas. I dive straight into the craziest zones that I can where I think the most people are gonna be. And if I get killed within you know the first minute, then I can fire up another game and start all over again. But it's better than uh. me going off in some remote area then gearing up for 20 minutes and then getting into my first firefight and then dying and then having to start over again it's at least i'm getting the experience of of the mechanics of you know how to properly navigate around and manage firefights in that game you realize ago managed to win oh i know so from, what, what, from, from what? id and xbox he why, won. Did you, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt that I was going? He's a master of games. <laughs> I, think he, I think he had some cheat codes, possibly. I, I know oh, I cheated. See, I, I, I didn't cheated, finish. That's for sure. I didn't finish. He managed to win with a. I think it was a crowbar what? or like a, a, a oh normal melee weapon. Oh my god! I supposed to do with a frying pan. Yeah. It wasn't the pan, but it was a different melee weapon. To be fair, I saw someone win without killing a single person the other day. They just damaged them, and then they got. Then the other person died in the storm. I was like, that's skill. Uh, 
That's not the perfect Did one. that feel like victory, though? No. <laughs> That's how my, my chicken dinner is. I, I ran over probably three people with a car. <laughs> it's a win. I was like, ah, oh, this feels so cheap. It feels really cheap. But it's a win. I'll take it. <laughs> the last game I played, we like, it was with some of the designers at Rare. And we spent, I kid you not, probably 20 minutes holed up in a bathroom. Just <laughs> just panicking, hearing gunshots all around us. Just just literally in the shot, taking selfies with print screen, wearing ballistic masks. So is this, and, uh, is this in the game, or is this what you were doing with your laptop? I think both, and... actually. No, 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 it, was, no. It, was in, it was in the game. And then we finally managed to get out there, and I ran both of them over. <laughs> oh. But a great session, nonetheless. Yeah. A memory was made. Right, Karina, what about you? Uh, what have I been playing? Oh, the usual. I've been on uh, Destiny. Mainly because I'm still doing the expansion. Well, I finished the expansion, but I'm getting my light level up. So I've been trying out the new raid, which I'm failing badly. We got to the end, but uh, we haven't defeated the boss yet. Uh, I think it resets happen, though, so I'll have to do it all again. And then on top of that, I've been trying out Fortnite 50v50. Big fan of that mode. Uh, I, I do quite well on that, although I tend to... I, I'm really bad at killing, so I, I just become a bush for most of the game. and just hide around. And then, what did I get? I got one V, I had 15 people trying to find me the other week. And then this week, I managed to have 28 people V myself. Uh, safe to say, <laughs> as, I didn't as, last. As a bush. As a bush, yeah. They're bearing in mind, they have guns, <laughs> they have, they're destroying trees looking for me. And I'm literally just, <laughs> just sat in the middle of it. Games. Just literally watching this happen with 28 people looking for me. And I'm just sat there thinking, oh dear, what do I do? And then it's safe <laughs> to say, as soon as the, uh, the circle got smaller, I just, I just ran. I killed three, though, in the meantime with grenades. But apart from that, that's all I had. So um, This is enjoyable for you? <laughs> it's just funny watching me. Yeah, because I'm so bad at it that it's just funny. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> well, now, now we, we've got through what we've been playing this week, I want to ask the rare guys, what goes on at a game studio during Christmas? Because this is something that the listeners won't hear, especially one that's got a game out in three months. <laughs> yeah. Do you mean kind of now? Or, or kind yeah, of... What, 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 do, what happens at a game studio during Christmas? Is it the usual Christmas lunches and beers oh, after it's... work? Like, oh, It's pretty cool, actually. Where, like, as, as you kind of approach Rare, you see the, the beautiful kind of Christmas tree that we've, we've got in reception. So that kind of goes up probably around December the 1st. So the studio starts to get dressed for Christmas. We've got a, a little room as you come through our reception, um, which is kind of like a little breakout area, which is kind of cool most most of the year round. But that's kind of decked out as like a Christmas kind of grotto. So the, Chris, the, the studio kind of takes on this Christmassy feel quite early in December. And then we have, um, we obviously have a Christmas party, um, which was a couple of weeks ago. And we have, uh, what's nice is that even if people can't make that party, we have a little sit down meal that takes over lunch, um, which was a, a week ago now where we all get to eat turkey together and pull crackers and wear Christmas hats and just kind of sharing that moment together. But the studio kind of takes on a bit of a Christmas feel and, um, the area near me where I sit, kind of the, the level designers have all dressed their area. They've got all Christmas decorations up. So it's, it's pretty cool. And just, just rare being rare, you know, being, in the location that we are uh, you know when we had the snow very recently and you look out and you just see the rolling hills covered in snow it's it, yeah feels like you're in a christmas movie really <laughs> i can imagine how you, that how do you play football at lunch if there's snow we had to, we got it cancelled like so we've been told to stop playing because we've been damaging the pitch uh, oh. during the winter 
Yeah, so it's been put on high hiatus for probably about another month or two, which is disastrous. Um, so, I, then, I just want to explain this to the listeners. They've got a game which I think is solely at rear. Is it foot golf? Is that right? Yeah, we've not played that for a while though, actually. Um, Do you want yeah, to we, explain that to the, the listeners what foot golf is? Well, it's well, yeah, it's football and golf combined, basically, where you uh, you're trying to kind of hit the flag. Uh, to which counts as getting it in the hole because um, we haven't dug up holes around the field that would have been that would have been too much damage to do but uh, there are official foot golf courses out there where you do actually play with a football with these football sized uh, holes you've got to get it in so yeah it's basically just football and golf like it's it's genuinely awesome fun except we've lost so many footballs from kicking them into trees and they get punctured by the kind of sharp branches and stuff and so yeah it's been quite an expensive sport for uh <laughs> I've got a quick question. Who won yeah. the snowball fight? Uh, well, did you did you see the photo that was shared on social media? Of, uh, yeah, a glorious <laughs> photo. It was what a great photo that was. Um, uh, but no, because I didn't have gloves on, and so I I resolutely lost that snowball fight. Because after about twenty minutes, I went inside and basically cried for about fifteen minutes because, <laughs> because of how painful my hands were. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I, that photo made me look like I won, but no, overall I lost very, very badly. Yeah. I particularly appreciated that not only the shot of the snowball in flight, which was an achievement in and of itself to capture, yeah. but the one beforehand where you're silently plotting. That was yeah, and it's <laughs> just really giggling and really yeah. looking yeah. like I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. Right, so moving on to our main attraction, because this, of course, is a piratey Christmas. We're going to be spending the rest of the episode discussing Sea of Thieves. So first up, guys, your release date for March 2018 has now been announced. Congratulations. Oh. Is this the time to get nervous, Mike? No. No, not at all. I think we've... Like, the luxury we've had is that we've been running our technical alpha now for, uh, well, coming up to a year. And, you know, we're, we're really kind of proud of the things we've showed off so far. Proud of the stuff we've, we're still kind of keeping close to our chest. So I think this is really a definitely a, a time of like really focusing on what's important over the next couple of months. But you know we're super proud of what we've created so far and what we've still got in the pipeline. So no, it's very very exciting time. <laughs> and, and although we've really been busy over the last couple of months, I think we're all keen to have a nice relaxing break over Christmas, but then come back in the new year like completely renewed and you know kind of ready to finish off the game for launch and focus on see if these beyond launch very excited I, I, you guys have released more than your your share of of games is the process gotten any easier over the years <laughs> it's changed i think um for sure right like i think our approach to this game is is very different to what we've done previously um in terms of well you know normally you'll be just going towards one single release date with one single release. Maybe you'll do a couple of patches for it uh, afterwards, and then you'll move on to the next thing. Whereas here, we're, we're building, you know, the, the way we've developed the game and the way we're building towards launch is that we, we want that to just be the start of the kind of adventure. And I think, what, did, what was um, the golden age of piracy, I think, that's yet to come, was how Mike termed it in his, yes. in his video. <laughs> And, uh, I, I but, snickered when I heard that. I <laughs> in a good way, I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was yeah, proud of that but, one. Yeah, I, I think it's great, but it's it's really is indicative of how games have changed, right? In terms of how you have to approach them, you have to like normally, 
if you were just doing a single release, you would not care about the integrity of the game and the code and what's under the hood and being able to update it and everything. And also almost the well-being of the team leading up to the release of the game, right? Because if we were just going towards that single release point, we'll be like looking at the date now going, right, everyone, let's go nuts. Let's like, let's fly at this. Let's, you know, so we can all have a lovely holiday afterwards. Whereas we need to, we know we need to update the game afterwards. We need to be there to support. We need to have a community team managing things. We need to be listening to feedback, changing, updating, working towards the next update. So you have to change everything about what you are used to doing. Um, and it's a, it's a really interesting process and challenge. Like, you know, Mike and I were talking about this a couple of hours ago, um, uh, in a, in a separate discussion really about that, about culture and about, you know, how we operate and that, you know, how to improve and what lessons we learn because yeah, it's a it's a completely different game to anything that either of us worked on, right, Mike? Yeah, very different. And in and in general, I think I I I believe that games are changing. I mean, in some ways they stay the same, but in many ways today they are they are fundamentally changing. And when, when we talk about kind of supporting games post release and run, having games as a service, like part of me as a player feels that sounds so dry. It's all kind of boiled down to, well, it's content plans and how many updates. But you think of, I mean, relating it back to Sea of Thieves, the type of game we're trying to build where, you know, we're trying to build this immersive pirate world for players to just get lost in and have adventures in the friends. And if we can create that great experience, why wouldn't you want to come back to it? Why wouldn't you just want to come back and still adventure in this world and um, experience new content, have different scenarios with your friends? Um, so I think games in general, um, you know, creating these worlds that you can escape into. They are the perfect fit for continuing to service beyond launch. It's like very different experience, but we've mentioned it on, on, on this during this chat, but like Rocket League. Rocket League is just, uh, you know, you're not going to finish Rocket League and never go back to it. This is, this is something that will continue to evolve. And I think you'll start seeing more of that with games like Sea of Thieves, where they are these immersive kind of cooperative adventure experiences. I think they can continue to live on. Yeah. And that's, so it's, it's interesting. You talked, um, a little bit before about the the Xbox Year in Review, right? And um, I I genuinely loved that there were like loads of people sharing their kind of top five games that they played this year, and a bunch of them had Sea of Thieves Technical Alpha at like number two and this kind of stuff. And um, <laughs> but but you know, people have been investing so much time into playing Sea of Thieves when you know it's it started literally a, a year and two days ago, and like with a thousand people invited to the first Technical Alpha, and since then. We've been growing and growing and just building the feature set. And but some people have just been playing it for for so long, right? You know, when we we shared the gold that people had earned in the first year, and someone was on like two million gold that they'd earned. So you know, like some people have are already invested in just in the promise of Sea of Thieves and in those early builds, and they've continued to play in, like even when it's been feature like because of the friendships they've built or because of just the fact they can still have really interesting stories with the experience and they're already invested in the, the world and the law that we're creating. And that's yeah. super cool. Um, and it's, I guess it's been surprising uh, to see that considering, you know, we were nervous, right? Mike, when we first put that build out early doors with uh, not a lot of stuff in there, right? Just, um, because we knew the value, we knew we had to start this, right? We knew we had to start building yeah. a community, start building a player base and start communicating to people and showing them what we were doing because, um, you needed that for this type of game. Yeah, I think when when I think we got that stat back, I think I can't remember what test it was from, but where someone had played eleven hours straight. It might be more than that actually. But they they stayed immersed in the experience, playing the game, (laughs) 
11 hours straight. And that was a much older build as well. Yeah. Where there was less content in there. And, you know, I think that's much more of a regular thing now. But when we started seeing that, we're like, right, people, like, create the right experience. People will want to invest that time and they will want to get lost with their friends. Well, you know, speaking of details and speaking of uh, the what was it? The, the golden age of piracy. Uh, you guys just released uh, a brand new video that was just absolutely packed full of details about Sea of Thieves, you know, um, which was uh, guided along by Mike's ever so smooth voice. Uh, so you guys got to be finally excited to let out some more of the details that the, the community have been hounding you on, right? Like it's nice to finally open your mouth and, and say this is how the game works. Yeah. Oh, it is. Absolutely. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, I think it, it was about time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was. I think, if I think you ask Reddit, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, like, we, we've alluded to this, right? I mean, when, when we do our podcasts each month, um, you know, we've had questions in this area, and we've kind of talked to some of the points that we've never elaborated on in that video. But, like, we've always kind of stressed all the way through that, you know, the kind of progression and how progression interacts with the quests in Sea of Thieves. It's this kind of interlocked whole of these separate components that all need to come together. And we could have kind of talked about each of them along the way, but it felt right to kind of release it in one go. Like this is the overall vision for progression in Sea of Thieves. And, you know, there's, there's still more to come beyond that, but it felt right to, to kind of just lay it all on the line in one go. So like definitely creating that video was really exciting and it's great to, to see to see the reception to it as well as like, I think people have been glad to kind of see that level of detail. Yeah, and it was it was actually really cool to get the support from within Xbox to do it right, and um, because it was the first time we've done a stream like that from the studio. So we, obviously we released the video, but it was part of the stream, and we did a live Q and A with our community. Um, you know, not knowing what questions we were going to get, but um, and our PR team and marketing team that you know were watching live from the US as well, right? And from uh, down in London. And kind of that they supported and trusted us to do something like that, which was a different way to do things, right? And it was really important for us that um, that it went well and that we did a good job with it and that, you know, we didn't have loads of technical issues and stuff. But, um, it was all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but genuinely, like, I was probably more nervous about that than doing any form of interviews at E3 or anything else like that because... You know, for me, there was a lot riding on it, right? That we would, because I think we want to do more of this. And, um, as we, you know, as we move forward, as we head towards launch, there'll be more things we want to talk about, right? And, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure people have questions about business models and about loot crates and about all that kind of good fun stuff, right? And, oh, I can't um, wait. Yeah, right. And, uh, but, you know, we, when it comes to anything in, in those kind of areas, we want to be able to do streams. We want to be able to talk. We want to be able to answer questions. And then as we move forward beyond, beyond launch and talk about what's coming next and here's, here's an update. Here's a new thing we've added. And so it was really great to be able to do it in that way. And, um, like I said on the stream itself, I thought doing all those things together with like the, you know, the, the announce of the uh, release date, we knew that when we announced that, that there would still be some people um like going yeah but i want to know more i want to know what the goal of the game yeah. is and um and we definitely saw that it was kind of interesting i think kind of the community had almost split into two with some people going look we trust where they've been doing a great job so far we, you know they've given us all these hints they'll tell us and then the others going yeah but i need to see it and um it was it was a quite interesting and then we came out with the stream and then it was like oh okay yeah that sounds cool so um 
yeah, it was it was a really exciting thing to do, to be honest. I really enjoyed it. Okay, so let's go straight to the important questions, uh, especially after your recent videos released. And my favourite part now, so far, would you like to tell us a little bit more about the chickens? Oh, <laughs> <Aww. laughs> <laughs> my new new favourite part now. Oh, yeah, well, the, and the, the pig as well. The pig is amazing. Emma. Yes. 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 The, the type of world we're building where it's this kind of immersive world where we, we always wanted kind of a, a variety of wildlife in that world for you to just see as you just explore. It felt there was a, felt like there was an opportunity to make it a core part of the gameplay. That this stuff is not just there to just dress the world and make it feel alive. It fundamentally should add to the adventures and the scenarios you can have in the world. So we'd, we'd kind of played around in a prototype uh, a, a while ago around different kind of merchant cargo uh, for those types of objectives. But I think the the right decision we made was to, to build a lot of those objectives around the animals because not only, not only does it add a lot of tonal value, I think like having cannonballs hit your ship and the chickens are going crazy and feathers are going anywhere is, is going to be a hilarious moment. And there's kind of like each animal's kind of got its own thing as well, which we could, we could, we could um, talk about in the future. Um, but, <laughs> which we can talk about in the future. But I think the, the important thing. Sorry, Mike. This is this is uh, quite a fun anecdote. I think from oh, the, when we when you first kind of you pitched the vision for this to the to the team and everyone understood it. And then the um, quest team took it and run with it. But then they presented it in like every Monday we have a team update where the um, each of the teams in the studio, so the quest team is one of the teams, presents the latest stuff that they're working on to everybody. Um, and Mike, you weren't there for that, were you? When they presented um, and talked about, oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah. I so, wish it was. But yeah. go on. <laughs> like so, the animals in the world are at risk. Um, in, in terms of, you need to transport them and keep them safe to take them back, right? To uh, to get them back to the merchant and everything else. Um, and it was presented to the team in not quite the best way, was it, Mike? No. So. Part part of the that this is a beautiful segue, thanks, Joe. But uh, <laughs> one of the things nice. I was going to talk about was what's different about these is that it's not just like getting a chest back to your ship or a skull back to your ship. And generally, you've taken on a lot of risk to get the thing in the first place. But then there's a little bit of risk to get it back because obviously you can be boarded by other players, and that's the beauty of being in a shared world. The kind of one of the kind of game changes with the merchants is that you've actually got to look after the animals on the return journey. So a snake, pretty aggressive thing. You don't want to store store the snake near the other animals. The the kind of the, the chickens and the pigs. You imagine if you get hit by cannon fire or you hit a rock or you hit a reef, um, water filling your ship is probably not a good thing for the chickens. Uh, and neither is them potentially getting struck by lightning on the top of the deck. So you so no and, and obviously them in the crow's nest. So chickens aren't safe. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> you might want to rethink where you store them store them if you sail through a storm and obviously you might also be carrying gunpowder kegs on board so you've got these kind of cool dynamics of well do i want to store the gunpowder kegs on the middle and the lower deck where nobody could potentially shoot them from a distance but then if they explode they're going to kind of rip through the hall and put holes in the hole um but i don't want to store them near my animals so you've got kind of all these decisions to make to ensure that the cargo gets back safely yeah. And so, but basically, what Mike, what Mike's kind of not said, but is that basically the question we had to kind of answer was 
how do you make a pig die in Sea of Thieves and not make it really sad? I <laughs> <laughs> about to and say, you're going to starve in the wrong types of chicken dinners. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the, the, a, few, a few people at Rare, um, who I, I won't name on this, but a few people like genuinely sincerely, because, you know, the, the animals are the, they're, they're these wonderful kind of cute things. They've got their own personality. And people would just come up to him and say, yeah, but why chickens? Why not why, chickens? Why pigs? Do, do they have to die? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> going to feel that consequence and it affect your gameplay? I'm afraid, yes, they have to die. <laughs> but they'll die in an appropriate way. Yeah, but we, but genuinely, the iteration we went chickens through in terms of, yeah, but, but the iteration you go through to try and make it feel totally right and to try and make you kind of just go, Oh, rather than just start crying, right? Like it's um, it, there's a real balance to be struck. There, there is. It's kind of the like the the exact nature of the animation, the exact nature of the sound effect, the exact nature of kind of any VFX that kind of erupts out of the animal when they die. Like the kind of choreography of that needs to be absolutely perfect. So yeah. it you was it wrong for quite a while. If you go, <laughs> if you go in favour. <laughs> Because you'd you yeah. never kick a chicken in real life, but kicking a chicken in Fable is hilarious just because of the noise the chicken makes. Horseshit and one account, I'll strike. Yeah. And that's I just the... keep thinking of chicken room. <laughs> I, I, I think we want to be in a par. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the, cool, the cool dynamic in, in, that we've got in Sea of Thieves, though, is that obviously these animals are worth a lot to you and the crew. So. You know, you've kind of been given this objective to head out there into the world. You know, you it's, it's your choice where you source those those creatures from, and when you get them on the ship, it's they are they are for all intents and purposes like it, it's gold. It's going to earn your reputation with the Merchant Alliance. So you want to look after these animals, and I think having that gameplay around being compelled to tend to the care of these animals and ensuring that you react to the scenarios you find yourself in to ensure their safety, I think that's really interesting. You know, but when you start, I mean, one of the one of the, the the key tenets of the vision was to make sure that they they fit the humour and the tone of Sea of Thieves. So while you're out there, you know, you you found the animals that you need, and you're dawn, you're just seeing dawn break on the horizon, and all the chickens are like cockadoodle doing, and you know, when when you get when you hit a reef, they're all gone, kind of going crazy, and you're moving them around, and you're separating the animals, and all that cool gameplay. Um, it's really it really puts the animals right at the centre of, of of what you're doing. Which, which is what we always wanted. Now, one of the things that you showed off in your most recent video and the live stream that you did last week is customization. Mm. I've always wondered in a, a game like this where player expression is so, so important, how do you guys design and pick what kinds of customization are going to make it in the final game? Do you kind of asking more around the, the 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 scope of the options or the types of kind of the look of the cosmetics? For me, it's the well, I suppose it's it's a bit of both in the sense where for me, I want to be an individual pirate. I want yep. people to look at me and say he is a feared, experienced pirate. How can I stand out between all the rest of them? So there's kind of two elements to that. I mean, there's there's kind of this desire for us in how we've kind of laid out a, a kind of cosmetics and the things you can acquire to differentiate yourself and kind of the status cosmetics is this idea of opting into particular looks. So having the full scope of cosmetics across uh, weapons, the equipment you're going to be using on all those voyages and the clothing that you wear. 
So when you add those three kind of areas together, there is a ton of customization options in this game. And obviously you can mix, mix and match all of them. And while, as a player, you've got that freedom to, to, to you know, wear any kind of eye patch, wear any kind of peg leg, kind of change your hairstyle, change your beard, kind of have a particular set of compass that you might have earned from the gold hoarders or one you, you particularly like the look of because it was quite rare to find. We, we still wanted this idea of opting into specific looks. That felt like a, a real opportunity to kind of choose the way you want to be seen. So even down to the way we've described these cosmetics in the store, we've ensured that they they kind of live up to the, the way the way you would present yourself. So an example would be there's an admiral set. So the idea that it appeals to players who are, you know, they want to be quite prim and ordered and proper and, you know, run an orderly ship. So this is kind of cosmetics all around, you know, the kind of, the kind of blue suede and the shiny brass buttons and the very kind of beautiful kind of structured hat and the shiny boots. Uh, but then there's also stuff something like the, the bills rats or the sea dogs where the bills rats, it's all about nonconformity and it's kind of, well, I've got this, I've got a, a pistol that's just kind of strapped together. It's kind of barely held together and my bucket's all got cracks in it. It's kind of about expressing yourself and being rough and tumble. Whereas sea dogs is like classic pirate kind of red colors and cool decals and kind of skulls on items and that kind of things. But um, we felt there was a real opportunity to allow players to opt into these looks. And that kind of feeds back to the decision we made around players being able to visit their kind of armory or their clothing chest on the ship. And it, it then functioned almost like dress up boxes. So I could see you on the ship and you've dressed as a bills rat, you know, and we built this great rapport together uh, as a crew. So the whole the whole crew decide to go down to this dress up box and they've got the bills rat stuff as well. So we all dress like bills rats for that session. So we all match together as a crew. So it felt like a real nice way for you to electively kind of choose how you want to appear to others. That's neat. Can you have two peg legs though? You can't have two peg legs. Unfortunately. <laughs> that oh, come you. on. <laughs> uh, but no, no, seriously. Uh, uh, I want to move on to another uh, another thing that you guys touched on, and that's uh, how you've come up with a really interesting spin on the typical quests and guild system that sort of makes it fit with a piratey world. And I want to know, um, uh, like the voyages are, are really cool, uh, and I want to know sort of what goes into taking traditional game mechanics like a quest and making them piratey enough is there such a thing as two pirate no like, I, I don't think that <laughs> no maybe there's not but how do you how do you go about piratizing traditional game mechanics and like, like this like is it how does one approach that yeah there's got there's kind of two elements of that there's kind of how the quest system works in cfes which is obviously built around allowing players to feel like they're working together and being able to share their personal progression but also just the way we treat uh, mechanics i think one of the one of the focuses on Sea of Thieves has always been, you know, it's not just about taking an existing mechanic from another game and just dressing it slightly differently and putting in our game. It's about making it fundamentally feel like it's part of the Sea of Thieves world. So, you know, you see that around a death mechanic where you don't just die and you look at a timer. You actually, you go visit the Ferry of the Damned and you you see all the dead people on there and you can have these conversations and potentially that's the start of a relationship between the two of you when you go and form a crew. Um, but also how the quests work. So we knew we needed a way to bond players together. So if whether you're playing with a group of friends 
or you're playing with people you've met for the first time in Sea of Thieves, we wanted the the start of your adventure to to bond the crew. So the crew fundamentally having a choice over what they're going to go do in the world. And when we thought about the idea of voyages, it naturally followed that the, the kind of the pirate way to do the sea of thieves way to do that is to make it physical and tangible like the chest like the skulls like the animals so that's why quests in the game are these physical objects and just the process of putting them on the captain's table and you know not just voting through a you know through a ui counter but actually physically putting your dagger in the table to say yes i want to do this and the crew come into this consensus of what they're going to go do in the world that felt perfect for sea of thieves but at the same time that's completely opt-in the crew have the power to kind of go you know what we we actually we're not going to do voyages we're actually just going to explore and just by exploring in this world we're going to come across these emergent opportunities like shipwrecks we could board other ships we could come across emergent things in the world that lead to reputation and gold um yeah <laughs> that, <laughs> nice. that's, in, that's in a nutshell <laughs> it, it, i mean it, it, it kind of touches on touches on a, a lot of areas um i mean with the voyages we knew we wanted to give players the option to have directed goals you know even though this is a world where you can just explore like you might just want to come into the game and say right i've got an hour free i want i want to want to definitely walk away with some progress here and that's what the voyages allow you to do they, they give you this kind of specific objective to, to to overcome some odds and then earn some reputation with the trading company and some gold that you can spend however you see fit. I mean, in relation to the quest, what would you say is your favourite trading company out of the uh, several options? I mean, I must admit, I do quite like. Is it the Souls? You know, you can get the uh, the oh. glowing glowing. I'm going to call them glow in the dark only because I've been looking at your controller. <laughs> but glow in the dark uh, schools, I really like that. But no, if you had a favourite trading company, which one? Oh, it it it. Oh well, it's really hard to pick because we, we you know we've all been so close to them but if i had to pick I, i've i've always had that's probably clear on this call i've always had a, a really kind of soft spot for making the animals part of the gameplay and not just doing the kind of obvious approach as you'd imagine with kind of uh trading cargo but doing something that felt tonally appropriate for sea of thieves and doing some things that players wouldn't initially expect so you know i, re- I really love what we've done and where we're heading with the animals with the merchant alliance because it feels it feels very different to the others. Uh, and it's a, it's a really nice change of pace to the others. What about you, Joe? Um, it's an interesting one. I think probably uh, I'm going to give two answers just because I can and there's a lot of no <laughs> Um But look, I love the Gold Hoarder stuff because I've been playing X Marks the Spot for a year and I still love it. And still, each time you're going out there and trying it and trying it on different, you know, different islands, different things, it's... It's still that it's still a really satisfying kind of blend of kind of map reading and then trying to get it right on the first dig. Um, it's you get this real competitiveness between people in a crew trying to you know you almost take it in turns going to go and you get one dig each. Someone's going to try and get it on the first dig and stuff. Um, you, you kind of make games for yourself. But then I think the the order of soul stuff is a lot of fun. And someone actually sent me a message saying that we should totally make the skulls insult you when you're carrying them. And I was, <laughs> oh, that's uh, a good idea. Yeah, oh, that's and I'm like. Basically, we're going to do it now. It's confirmed, right, Mike? Uh, <laughs> you might not have to but, wait too long, actually. Yeah. <laughs> they, they already whisper to you. We are going to do that some choice recording. The question is, though, who did the voice lines? Who's the savage? <laughs> <laughs> you know you know what? I'm not sure. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not sure. But, yeah. Uh, you guys have to get the guy, get a cameo from the guy who did Murray in the... Oh, uh, imagine that. The, the, the monkey. Uh, <laughs> what is it? The Curse of Monkey Island. From- 
Monkey yeah, yeah. Murray, the invincible demonic skull. <laughs> oh, that's that's perfect. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> We've got that on recording for you. If you can't get them now, you can just use. Yeah, you can just use me. I'm, I'm here every day, baby. <laughs> So I did want to ask you guys about fortresses as well. They, you know, they sound like they're going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, can you like sort of just describe them for anybody that's unaware of of how that all plays into the game? Basically, yeah, saving, well, saving Private Ryan with uh, skeletons, right, Mike? Oh. <laughs> Tom Hanks is in the game. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is there. He's a great Easter egg. No. Uh, yeah, the, the the cool thing about the, the the kind of forts, I mean, I've always considered them um, kind of, this is Sea of Thieves' unique take on a public event. This is how Sea of Thieves does public events. It's not through some UI. It's not through something that's a little time is ticking down. This is something that feels like it's part of the world. So as, a kind of, as I said earlier with the um, how we've approached quests and how we've approached voyages in the, Sea of Thieves, this is something that you could just come across in the world. You know, you, you've just decided to, to cut loose, head to the horizon, go and see what comes your way. And then you see this big looming school cloud on the horizon. And when you see that, that means that that particular fort, that's always there, whether it's occupied or abandoned. It actually means it's, it's, it's occupied by this, you know, this malevolent skeleton force. That's why that school cloud is there. And it also means that if the skeleton's there, they've probably got some stuff that they've stolen from from kind of other players they've got stuff kind of in their vault that's of value to you so this thing is like a honeypot that can call to players you know in the world and because it's this huge cloud you can see it like from across the world pretty much so you know you can head over there and kind of take on the challenge and try and storm this fort to gain access to the vault but you you also know that other players um are going to be doing the same thing and it also feeds really nicely, um, not just into kind of emergent world stuff, but also into the Order of Souls objectives. So as you heard, we'll kind of increase your reputation with the Order of Souls. You know, they're not only sending you to take down, you know, infamous skelly crews and captains on islands. They're actually sending you to take down a skeleton captain in these forts who resides within that fort. So, so you may be there storming it with another player who's actually on an objective for the Order of Souls. So it's just this awesome way to bring players together in a really natural way. And I think it'd be fascinating to see like how this leads to opportunities for cooperation, opportunities for conflict. I mean, we'll, we will deliberately put probably more rewards than one crew can carry within that fort. So there naturally might be in a natural kind of splitting up the rewards between crews. Um, so yeah, they're not only an awesome spectacle, but they're going to add a ton to the kind of the world feeling more dynamic and alive and also strengthening the, the trading company. It sounds like a terrific time. I don't... <laughs> what? That was so bad. <laughs> it was pretty bad. It's like, <laughs> all I could think of when you're describing like the big skull, like that, and and you're saying that's like a honeypot. As far as I'm concerned, that's like the big. It's like the nope signal. Like you just see that. You're like, ah, no, it's, that's not where I'm going. Nope. But that, but that's the choice. But that's the cool thing is that by yeah. making it this big visual thing, that's you know, you feel the presence of it just seeing it on the horizon. You look through your spyglass and you're seeing you know the the skull illuminated by this kind of magical lightning inside. That's your choice. You've got the choice to opt in or opt out. You know, if you want to go, you know throw your hat in the ring and see if there's other players there. That's your choice. Or you can just turn yourselves to the wind and go about your business. It's, but the school, the school let, lets you opt into that challenge in a really natural way. 
Now, of course, it is the festive season. And what I believe all of our listeners would like to know, do pirates actually celebrate Christmas? I would say yes. I think they do. With rum, probably. I'm I'm here like I can't believe I left that question in. I'm just gonna leave asking. (laughs) If you leave it in, I'll read it. Yeah. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Hang on, hang on, hang on. Excuse for a party, of course. (laughs) So so back on the chicken. So back on the real, real (laughs) questions and real topics there. This this clearly looks like it's gonna be a streamer's delight. Um have you guys thought about integrating any of the mixer technology into that or allowing the viewers to directly interact with anyone streaming in the game maybe uh spawning in some weapons or a powerful skeleton or i don't know making a storm roll in um so yeah first of all <laughs> yes we know that sea of thieves is a very watchable and shareable experience right we've all we've known that from the get-go and we are as excited as anyone, I think, to uh, to finally lift the NDA when we get round to that, which won't be won't be too far away. Um, uh, we'll definitely do it before launch. But we've we've actually got um, a little team working on a bunch of stuff that's um, is when it comes to kind of streaming and interactivity and kind of watching and learning more about what's going on and stuff. We are doing something that is more like more appropriate to see of thieves than allowing people to kind of mess with the experience or screw, screw up the experience right it's um it will be more in line with see of thieves being this kind of cooperative thing and being able to kind of support and help and take part and that kind of stuff so yeah we've got some fun stuff up our sleeves but we're not quite ready to reveal it yet but um you know we we talked about it a lot about like what's the best way for us to support that kind of um side of things so yeah it's uh I'm just dancing around it now, aren't I? But, uh... <laughs> Honestly, I didn't but, think it was going to be that uh, that direct a question. It was like, have you thought about this cool stuff? Yes, we have. Oh, okay, moving yeah, on. Yeah. But oh, okay, this is great. Keep going, yeah, yeah. please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but it is. It's a, you know, when, like all of our features and and, and Mike talked to making the game a pirate game and stuff. But every single thing we have to think about it supports the core ethos of the Sea of Thieves, yeah. which is that it's a cooperative adventure, right? It's a shared world and um, you're trying to do things that bring players together when they're kind of in a crew or you're, if you're watching someone, you should feel supportive of them, not kind of an antagonist to them, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. and whereas it'd be easy to just be like, spawn baddies, spawn baddies, lol. Um, and, uh, <laughs> like, like, like I do when I'm watching someone on Mixer and they've got like this, the sound effects you can play or something. The, the funniest thing to do is to find a streamer that's got like, like hasn't got anyone watching him, so they've almost forgotten that they've got someone watching. And then to play a really loud sound effect when they're like streaming a scary game and they <laughs> shit them. <laughs> but, but like, but that's the kind of thing that people will do given those tools, right? Because it's just human nature, right? If you like, you like messing with people and stuff. But we want to do something that is more supportive and more cooperative and makes you feel part of like an extended part of that crew in that session. I think that's where our that's where the value of our game lies, right? Mike? Uh, absolutely, it's it's. Like tuning into a stream, um, you know, that's been running for some time and just making you feel like you can follow what's happening. You feel like you're, you know, you're right there with the crew, like by giving the, giving the viewer a bit more context around what's happened and the maps they have, the voyages they're on, what they've done so far. I think there's a real opportunity there for allowing viewers to get more invested in what they're seeing uh, on the stream. 
I mean, you mentioned how you're being all cooperative with the community. How would you say they've reacted to all this new information and release? Or how's the insider program? I'm guessing they're all excited. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, well, I think, um, like everything, that, well, that insider program's grown massively since that, you know, that first thousand we invited into the Alpha to begin with, and then we've invited everybody in for the most recent tests. Um, we had some, some issues on uh, Friday, uh, a little bit over the weekend as well, in terms of just um, the scale of people that kind of came in. Plus, we had some unexpected kind of service side issues that in a couple of areas, some in our control, some out of our control, that culminated in there being some people not able to play. They were getting error messages or when they were, they weren't getting kind of the right entitlements in game of what stuff they were supposed to have. But we managed to address most of that over the uh, the weekend, um, which... We actually did by turning some of our telemetry off, um, which is, you know, all the data that we're gathering for people playing just so that we could cut down on the amount of messages that were being fired around by the services just to allow people to play. Because, like, you know, our motto is game experience is king. And even if we couldn't learn as much as we wanted to from the session, allowing people to play and have a good time was super important to us. But um, it's 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 going really well. And I think the, the reaction to the progression stuff has been really positive. And I, I actually... The thing I guess I was most surprised about, and and pleasantly so, I think, is around the kind of power progression stuff and around our approach to this and around the approach to kind of allowing people to play together regardless of like their experience and their rank. And that, that seems to have been received really positively by people. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, and, but it's, you know, we, we've done a lot of new things on this game, right? And this is very much one of them. And um, But I think people are like, that's cool. I, I want to be able to play with my friends regardless of how long, rather than being blocked off because they've been playing for, you know, 50 hours and now I can't, I can't find someone to start with or do this with. And so I, I was very pleasantly surprised by the reaction to that, to be honest. I like, I, I hoped for it, but it's been, it's been very positive. Joe, I've got to say, that's actually like, I have a lot of, uh, relatives overseas, uh, and they're huge gamers. Um, uh, but they, they mostly play MMO RPG games. And over the years, so many times they've been like, hey, come and play this new game with me. You know, check out the new WoW expansion. Check out Guild Wars 2. You know, just, just two off-the-cuff examples. And every time they've been like level 6010 and and I'm in the noob zone. So I couldn't actually play with them. So this is actually uh, like so perfect, this this kind of thing where you can just jump in and actually play with your friends. I mean, it it, it helps. I've got a perfect example of that. Karina with Destiny. I played through Destiny 2, the, the vanilla game with her, was a little bit behind when they picked up the DLC a couple of weeks ago, and now I actually feel too far behind. So to mm. hear something like that is so, so refreshing. You know, it's no matter what our, our busy lives are, you know, we can still pick up the game, play with our friends, and no matter where they are in the game, and still feel excited. It's It feels like perfection to me. It's <laughs> a good idea. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, okay, maybe that was an overused word or a too strong word. Right? <laughs> so, uh, it, seem, it seems all right. It's <laughs> okay, I guess. To realise as well is that, like, it, just because we've we've made that choice and we've made that choice for the right reason, because you know a, a, anyone can always play together, um, and that leads to uh, you know multiple dimensions of encounters with other players in the world. Uh, and skill manifesting itself in different ways. Luckily, Mike, we've only got two questions left, so I'm going to hit you guys with the last one. It's not actually about your game specifically, but uh, and it's also a bit of a, a bit of an underhanded plug here. But we have a subreddit Game of the Year contest running for all you listeners uh, who are still awake. Don't 
forget to go out there and vote for your game of the year. But I want to know, what has uh, everyone here's favorite game been this year? You have to pick like a number one. You can say one or two if you can't choose, because I'm just sort of throwing this at you out of nowhere. But uh, what... What what games have been the best for you this year? And uh, I'm going to give Mike a chance to wake up. So we'll start with Joe. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, great. Mike's going. I can have a think. Uh... Just what have you had fun playing this year? More than anything that you can think of. Because, you know, it's hard to choose your game of the year in a split second. I'm, I'm honestly going to be the 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 corporate shill here and say it's Sea of Thieves. And, and yeah. I'm not. But... <sighs> genuinely it's um i'm predominantly like historically i guess a single player gamer right um Mm. you know you can go back and look through my my year in view and like i played deus ex i've played obviously the wolfenstein stuff and you know that's kind of the the majority of games that i played i play some multiplayer like rocket league or maybe pairs or fifa and stuff but nothing that i would really engage with the world and engage with this kind of multiplayer exist like ongoing existing service and having you know been working on cfd since the start and seeing it come together and just playing the sessions and almost my, my favorite thing i guess in cfd is playing with strangers and um so i'll just go in and i'll click and i'll put we get put into a random crew with uh three other people and i i just love to see people playing it like we designed it um do they ever recognize your voice uh no, no. So once I've been recognized when I've been playing, and that was actually when I was just on an island and another ship came up and then they jumped off and they were like, hey, Joe. And they were like really kind of engaged members in the community. They recognized my game attack. Actually. But um, <laughs> but no, just playing with strangers and j- literally just watching them play the game that we have designed, like, you know, helping each other cooperatively, like, you know, people who are experienced, guiding people who aren't, using voice, um, and all with really different personalities and respecting each other and being kind to each other and sort of supportive of each other. And all these things that you read or hear about in multiplayer is not something that people do, right? You know, and it's obviously, it's not perfect. It's not, and it doesn't happen in every session, but I've been really lucky to be witness to so many kind of sessions where i've made friends with people and i've seen them make friends afterwards and stuff and just yeah seeing people play sea of thieves in the spirit that it's intended has been the highlights of my gaming year for sure and every session different every personality different and and i think that's the value of what we're making right is that we've created something that subtly encourages people to behave in a slightly more positive way i guess online um, even in a, <laughs> even in a pirate game right and um to see that and to just experience it and to kind of almost just sit back and kind of really feel special about it like that's been my highlight of the year like 100 percent. nice i'm gonna say two games at first okay. up i'd say uh mentioned at the start but I'd, I'd probably say breath of the wild i think mm-hmm. overall i'd say you know that 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 kind of thing that a lot of us have always loved about zelda this kind of world you can step right into and you know it's this explorer's dream where there's untold secrets waiting out there for you i think breath of the wild is such a perfect embodiment of that and you know of just just exploring this vast you know kind of beautiful world and the world making you better and you try and get different strategies i think like breath of the wild is the perfect embodiment of that and you know feels more akin to um you know what i loved about the original zelda when i when i played that when i was very young um i think i think they've done an outstanding job 
um, with that. And it's such a, it's such a, f- a fresh take on the series. So I've, I absolutely adore that. And secondly, I'd say, I'd say Cuphead. Um, I think a vision, a vision, you know, for what that game represents, I think they've executed it perfectly. I mean, even when I've been, oh my God, uh, you know, kind of teeth gnashingly frustrated trying to beat some <laughs> boss, I think the, just how, wonderful it is to play that game and just the music i think that kind of carries you through and i'm such a big fan of you know kind of the look of cartoons from that era and just the feel of you know what they've gone for i think i think it's outstanding fantastic ross at this moment i'm going to see thimbleweed park nice karina oh game of the year um you had all this time to think. Yeah, I kind of want to say Destiny. I wanted to say Destiny, but it, it really wasn't this year. Uh, yeah, okay, I'll say Destiny too because I spent too much time on it for this year. Clay, uh, for Xbox, definitely Cuphead. Uh, Nintendo Switch, which has been the other predominant gaming console, is definitely toss up between Zelda and Mario at this point. Odyssey, that is not not cart. Oh yeah, Zelda for the Switch. <laughs> hey, Mario, Mar- Mario Kart's amazing, a lot man. of fun. It's a lot of fun, but you know, Odyssey just, oh, so just, just kind of blew me away and uh, got me resucked into Mario again all over. Sweet. You know what ruins Mario Kart? Short Blue shells. Blue shells. I thought you were going to say beers. Get... Beers not only improves. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Beers enhances. Enhances. <laughs> but uh, for me, it's it's definitely Breath of the Wild on the Switch and Prey. I think on oh. the uh, on the Xbox One. Um, Probably the only person to say that. Um, no, Prey's amazing. Go and play it. <laughs> Such a good it story. It, it's basically System Shock Three. And that's yeah. all I've wanted for the last that's, twenty that's odd years. Praise. I mean, it plays exactly the same. I, it's a, it's like it an what do they call it? The immersive sim. That's going to be the worst name for a genre ever. <laughs> it's not perfect, but it has a really cool and unique story. It plays just like System Shock, um, and it's quite scary, uh, but it's it's good. Uh, it has this really cool emergent gameplay. Actually, now that you you said you're interested, so I'm going to quickly plug it to you. In that the main enemies they can take on the shape of any of the stuff in the game. So uh, you start... Oh, yeah, the mim- everything. Mimics, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mimics. So you, it's the only game I've ever walked into a room and like pointed my shotgun at a coffee cup sitting on a desk and said out loud, I'm watching you, and then turned away from the coffee cup. Then turned back to check it just to make sure it hadn't moved. Like It really, it really sort of has this next level to the, to the, to the spooks. But, uh, yeah, that's all I wanted to know. I wanted to talk about what everyone's enjoyed this year. But, Ross, hit him with the final question. We've been yeah. nice. We've been so nice. We have been nice, but the time to be nice is over. This is a question that everyone who listens to this podcast is waiting for, and that is which classic video game character could you knock out with one punch? And I'm going to go Joe. Why do I always get the questions first? <laughs> 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 um, Toad from Mario Kart. Oh, like, easy. Oh, nice. I saw a picture of Toad with his head off. With the, do you know the mushroom bit? Apparently, it's a that, hat. Not an that was after, head. that was after I punched him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, when you asked that question, the, my first thought was Toad. In fact, <laughs> but I will say Kirby, but in the back of the head. <laughs> 
You're going to donkey punch Carpenter. <laughs> Don't get anywhere near his mouth because he's going to he's going to inhale. <laughs> Back of the head, Kirby, straight shot. What is what what is so punchable about that Toad? Like, it, I don't uh... know. He, he does have a punchable <laughs> face, doesn't he? <laughs> Whenever he turns up in Mario Odyssey, I'm like, shut up. He has a, he has a fish fish kind of sized face, doesn't he? <laughs> I've never thought about Toad before, but now you've said it, the thought of punching him seems quite appealing. I well, it'd, fly, that. it'd go backwards, head over heels, wouldn't it? It'd be quite satisfying. Like, it's, uh... and, and you know, if you just apologise, he'd come round. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo magic. <laughs> Joe, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to join us and talk some more about Sea of Thieves, as well as some more about your Game of the Years as well, which was quite interesting. But this is the last episode of the Party Chat Podcast. For the next couple of weeks, we record on a Monday, and I'm not recording on Christmas Day, because simply, I don't get paid for it, so there's no chance. But we want to thank every single one of our listeners for checking us out over the last year. And if we get some time, we may do a little usual highlight show, which we'll release during Christmas and New Year. But for another year, Xbox turn off. You're listening to Xbox One Party Chat Podcast. The official podcast of the Xbox One subreddit. It's Let's do this.